Please open your Bibles to the book of John, the book of John, and we are in John chapter 10 this evening. John chapter 10. This is a sermon and a time when I am thankful for my father's insistence that I follow through a 4-H project that wasn't that appealing to me when I was, I believe, 14 or 15. I know I didn't have my license. I still, I think in the attic, have the trophy from Best in Sheep showing in 4-H-94 or so. And my dad told me that it would be a good thing for me to spend time around sheep. And I think that he was right. And this is one of those times in the Bible where experience with sheep makes the passage richer. John chapter 10. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you were the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe, because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. 
I and the Father are one. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him, It is not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said you are gods? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world you are blaspheming, because I said I am the Son of God? If I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works, that you may know and understand that the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. Again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. He went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first, and there he remained. And many came to him, and they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true, and many believed in him there. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. This is a fairly long chapter. Our focus will be on the first half of it, but we're going to cover the second half because this is when we're going to talk about the second half, and we will be moving on to John chapter 11. The second half of the chapter is continuing the theme of Jesus telling who he is, Savior of the world, the Son of God, the Messiah, co-equal with God. 19 through 28 is going to reaffirm his role as a good shepherd. But speaking at the end, starting at the end here of the, the chapter 31 through 39, the response to what Jesus is saying is to want to kill him because they're finally getting it all of these times that Jesus has said, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. All these times that Jesus has said something, they're like, well, are you saying you're God? Y yes, he's saying that. He was saying that. He did say that. He said that over and over. He said it clearly. But they didn't get it. They didn't understand it. Um, Jesus in 25, I told you and you do not believe. He's already been telling them. But the point really for, for 31 through 39 is that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. He's walking in obedience to his Father. He's fulfilling the Messianic role. And then again, 40 through 42, that not only is Jesus the Messiah, Jesus is exactly the Messiah prophesied about by John. Think back to the beginning of when we begin studying this book together. John the Baptist prophesying about Jesus. The prophecies are coming true. Isaiah's prophecies are coming true. Jesus is healing the blind. Jesus is doing miraculous works that indicate once and for all that he is the fulfillment of all the messianic prophecies. Our focus is going to be on the first half, a little more than half of this chapter. Jesus as the good shepherd, our role as sheep. There are, is a few things that happen here and there's a shift here, and all of them are a little bit confusing if you don't know anything about sheep. Uh, Jesus is... He's a door? He's, wait, was Jesus a door? Uh, also, Jesus is going, he's a good shepherd, he's picking up the sheep. Why? Where are the other sheep? What's happening with these sheep? What, there's a guard? Who's opening the door? Is the guard? Is, what's the metaphor for that? 
the, the problem sometimes with metaphors is if you don't know the practical that the metaphor comes from, the whole thing seems like a mystery. Like, what, what is the guard? What's happening? Okay, starting here at the beginning, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. There were two different kinds of places that people kept their sheep in that time. One in larger areas that had good water and there was a place to store the sheep from the elements to keep them safe would be big enough to store lots of sheep, not one man's flock, not 20 sheep, but hundreds of sheep, and the sheep would be stored together behind a locked door, and a guard would guard that door. If you have sheep inside there, the way to get your sheep is to talk to the guard and have him open the door. Does that make sense? Can everyone picture that? Picture a large barn, basically, okay, but with one door and one door out. If you're, if you're going in there through the roof, you're not supposed to be in there. You're not supposed to be going in there. That's not for you. But this also, I think it's confusing if you have never been around sheep like this to say, well, wait, to him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, well, wait, so what? Why isn't he just bringing out all the sheep? Because the way that that worked is the shepherds would bring their sheep and put them in, mixed in with other sheep. There's a bunch of sheep in there. But sheep get to know the voice of their shepherd. Sheep get to know the voice of their shepherd, and they follow that. So if there's 30 sheep that are yours, and there's 200 sheep in there, and you call for your sheep, sheep are dumb, okay? I, this is... Maybe it's... I shouldn't have said it that bluntly. I'm going to say that bluntly. I like animals. I like lots of kinds of animals. I worked with sheep. That's why I won, I told you, I won best in show for sheep showing. Okay? That means that my sheep climbed a ladder and saved Timmy from a burning building. Is that, is that what happened? No. Best in show for sheep is not as complicated as best in show for dogs or even cows. Best in show for sheep requires you to put your sheep on a lead and to walk the sheep around in a circle. Can everybody picture that? I've got a little kind of leash, a short lead, and I'm walking the sheep around in a circle. And then at the end, the sheep has to do something called post, okay? Post is like flexing. It's like a, it's like a Mr. Olympia contest for sheep. They get their four legs all straight, and they, they kind of flex. To train a sheep to figure out how to make their legs so not like one forward and another, to get them to stand correctly and flex takes months. It takes months of work. Oh no, sheep, that's not. Oh good, buddy, you got it this time. She's like, well, I don't even know. What was was that not the same as I was doing before? No, no, it takes months. Okay, so spending time with sheep would tell you a lot of things about sheep that they have that vision, that you have to take them to where they're supposed to eat, that they can't tell what's going on, that they're kind of messy and dirty. You can learn a lot about sheep from just taking care of them. From trying to show them, you learn a lot more about sheep's intelligence. Guys, anyone who works with sheep can tell you sheep are dumb. By the way, biblically, we know about sheep and goats. Which one do we, do we fit in? We're the sheep, guys. Good job. 
Good job. Rachel's like, they all get quiet in here while I was gone. It's not a rhetorical question. We're the sheep, okay? We're the sheep. And guess what? Between the animals, which animal seems smarter? Goats. God shows the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. Okay? We are not the best and brightest out there. But we have a good shepherd, and he leads us. And our goal is to walk in obedience. It's not to be the star of our story. He is the star of our story, not us. So sheep hear the voice of the shepherd and respond. It's a really remarkable thing once that bonding occurs, once the sheep know that you're the shepherd. I could go down with a man who has a similar voice to mine, and he could be like, hey, sheep, come on, sheep, let's go, sheep. Sheep, sheep. And they're just going to ignore him. They really will. They don't. They they get to a place where when you say, come, sheep, they go, oh, that's my guy. So did the people in Jerusalem who Jesus is teaching, had they never seen sheep before or they were around sheep a good bit? They were around them a good bit. Jesus is speaking to people who already knew and understood sheep. Hopefully, we can now understand sheep a little bit better to know sheep need a shepherd. They don't take care of themselves well. They don't understand what to do very well. Sheep follow the voice of their shepherd. Sheep also follow one another. There are some sheep who are kind of leader sheep. It happens more clearly in chicken and cattle, actually, but... Sheep will follow a leading sheep. So it's really important if you are picking the sheep to hang out with that you're around good ones who are listening to the good shepherd. The sheep hears voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. He goes before them. This isn't just metaphor. It's a picture of Christ. Jesus Christ was tempted in all ways such as we are, yet he resisted without sin. Jesus goes before us everywhere that we go. If we're following him, if we're walking in obedience, he's always going to be in front of us. He's always going to be before us. When he calls us to hard things, he's not calling us to anything harder than what he's already gone through. And Jesus goes before us. The sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. They did not understand that the picture of Psalm 23 is a picture of Christ. That David was a prefiguring of Jesus in the way he cared for the sheep, that he killed the animals seeking to attack the sheep, that he protected the sheep. So, the other piece about this that struck me when I read it is that sheep pens are pretty comfortable for sheep, especially if the weather's bad. If the weather's not good, the sheep would like to just hang out in a sheep pen. If you leave 300 sheep, even in a big barn, and you never take them outside, is it good for the sheep or bad? It's very bad for the sheep. Often when we are called out from a place of comfort and a place of rest, even knowing Jesus goes before us, the voice of the one who wants to destroy us is just stay here, 
comfortable. Where do they look? Those other people aren't going. What, what do they know that you don't? Well, they may not be his sheep. Listen to his voice. Obey. When he calls you out, follow. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. What is, it? What is this? Jesus is a door. This is one that I actually learned more about in their, their structures of sheep. I knew about the communal barn piece. I didn't know about this. So in the countryside, most of the places where sheep were that are close to pasturage, they had open walls, basically, with a central opening that you could drive the sheep in and out of. And there wasn't actually a door. There was no door on those. Okay? Those are not for multiple flocks. They're for, like, your flock. They're, they're smaller, smaller openings smaller enclosures. But the shepherd for those enclosures, guess where he would sleep? He'd sleep in the opening. He'd sleep across the opening. The sheep knew that he was there and he's guarding it. He's keeping wolves at bay. He's keeping anything else from getting in there. But they'd have like a low stone wall and then there's an open space and he'd sleep right in between the open space. He was the door. Huh. That makes more sense. It seems less weird to me than when I was like, Jesus, were you an open door? Like, what am I? Okay. This is, this is what he's talking about. Jesus is the door, the protector. He's the guard. He's waiting. But also, no one comes to the Father except through him. When Jesus spoke these words about him as the door, Jesus was in Jerusalem. He was close to something called the Sheep Gate. In Nehemiah, when they're rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, the place that they start to rebuild first and the place that they end the rebuilding process is the Sheep Gate. What was the Sheep Gate? Jesus is saying these words literally with sheep around him in the area where he is. The Sheep Gate is where the sacrificial lambs were taken in. They came in to Jerusalem to be sacrificed. Sheep did not enter the sheep gate and then get sold for, oh, I've got a good breeding sheep. That's not where they did that. These sheep came in, went to the temple, and were sacrificed. Jesus is not only the good shepherd, but he is going to lay down his life. And Jesus is the perfect lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And when Jesus says that you can have life coming through the sheep gate, it's a conflicting message for them because what does the sheep gate mean for all the sheep who come through it and their knowledge? It means death. But guys, when Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me, when he says all of the hard teachings that they didn't get, he is not promising a life of ease and comfort and fun. He is promising that he goes before us. He is promising that we can hear his voice. He is promising to feed us. But he is calling us to what he did. 
to live lives that honor and please Him, that follow His example, and His example is one of sacrifice. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He was a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So it will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. He is pointing towards the sacrifice that he will make. We lose our life for his sake in order to find it. Sheep are not defensive animals. When wolves come in amongst the sheep, you ever see those nature documentaries where it's like the ibex and the mom ibex hits the lion and it's old and it's like the ibex has won the battle. There's like some, I mean, you know, I don't know how many they record that they're like, this is getting boring. The crocodile always eats the thing. And eventually they're like, this one escaped, right? Like there's always some drama. There's some interest. These are trying to attack this hippopotamus and then the mom hippopotamus bowls over the crocodile and you're like, yay, good hippopotamus, you win. Guys, if you taped sheep to try to capture the magical moment when they ganged up on the wolf and just, just took one out, it would, it would never happen. Literally, ne never. They don't win. They lose. Sheep need a shepherd. Sheep rely on a shepherd. Sheep rely on protection from a shepherd. There's also sheep dogs. It's a whole other metaphor. It has nothing to do with the Bible, so we're not going to go into it. <laughs> but shepherds and sheep, that's what we're focused on. Jesus is the good shepherd. He does call others to shepherd the sheep. When the sheep are most in danger, what's happened to them? They're scattering, right? Do you see where it says that? The wolf comes in among them and they scatter. Guys, when Satan attacks you, one of the deepest impulses, especially if there's some success that he has early on, is to lick your wounds on your own. Oh man, I screwed up. Oh, I just... I just can't be around my church people. I mean, everyone's going to judge me, and I'm so embarrassed. And even if they don't judge me, they should be judging me. I'm just, uh... God designed us for love and community, and Satan wants us in shame and isolation. We have to stand against the lies of the enemy and live in fellowship. There are clues that sheep give when they're under attack. What do you think the biggest thing they can do to help themselves is? Scooter, that would be cool if she knew self-defense. Again, they're just not built to be able to do that well at all. They fail. They can't kick, karate kick. They're just, they do nothing well. Except this, what can they do? They do something. They make a lot of noise. They make a lot of noise, okay? Guys, don't be a silent sheep. Don't be a silent sheep. 
Ah, the wolf's after me. Uh, I don't want to bother anyone. <laughs> the wolf's after me. I guess I'm going to go over here to this cave and kind of hide. Uh-oh, the wolf's in the cave too. Okay? Don't be a silent sheep. If, you, if, some, if Satan is after you, make a lot of noise. Ask for help. Does that make sense? Jesus is the good shepherd, but he's also given shepherds to help you, to defend you, to protect you. Shepherds sometimes rescue wounded sheep, and sometimes for a while they have to pick them up and carry them around. But that's their job. Okay? When you're hurting, don't go quiet. Don't, don't hide. And gather toward the shepherd. But this is going to be the entire rest of our focus. It's one verse. Oh, it's one verse, but it's such a powerful and important verse. Verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Guys, how many times are we going to listen, respond, follow, go out to the other familiar voice? Do you know the voice of God? I pray so. If you don't, come talk to me about coming to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But if you do, then you know the still, small voice that he has. You know how he speaks to you through Scripture. You know his voice. You know how to walk in obedience. You know that you take decisions before him and he doesn't stay silent. Or when you don't know what to do and the answer is wait, you wait. But you know how to follow him. You know how to listen to him. He doesn't hide from you. He doesn't say, I'll give you no advice on that. If we want to walk in obedience, he makes a way. The Spirit guides us. Okay? But is that the only, is that the only voice we've ever listened to? Guys, it's so sad. Think about it the sheep over and over again. It's like, well, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like last time that wolf told me that there was cool stuff over there, and he was actually lying, and he like chewed on my leg for a while, and that, that really stunk. I mean, it hurt a lot. Eventually, I made some noise. The shepherd came, hit the wolf. Wolf ran off. But I mean, I hear that wolf again. And like, he told me that that grass is going to be real good this time. Guys, one of the biggest lies in our culture is that there's no black and white. There's just gray. Okay? And Satan can really screw us up in worldview by trying to think that there's black and white in areas of gray. I'm not just... Whatever you're thinking, that's what I'm talking about, okay? I'm not going to go into tons of examples there. But guys, in this, in this, there is black and white. It is 100% good and 100% evil. And one of the biggest lies that Satan tells us here is that this is gray. I mean, look, you know, you got the good shepherd. I mean, yeah, sure. But like sometimes you want to walk on the wild side. There's like the uh, not as good shepherd, but like, you know second shepherd kind of guy. I mean, he's over here. He's not, you know, it may not be what Jesus would do, but like, don't you want to live a little? It's, come on, it's Friday night. It's Friday night. It's time for the second shepherd. Guys, it's heartbreak after heartbreak. He comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Get to recognize the wolf. Notice the wolf. See the wolf. And when you hear the voice of the wolf, don't go, oh, well, I bet this time will be different. I mean, I mean, he's pretty, 
He's pretty telling a pretty cool story. So I guess I'm going to get away from everybody else and go follow him again. The Bible in Proverbs talks about a dog returning to its vomit. Ugh. It's a pretty gross image. But is it, is it any less than we need to try to think about patterns of sin in our life where we screw up over and over again? And how fierce we need to be, not only in our own spiritual lives, but for those we love on their behalf when we see them going off with the wolf. It's not a matter of a good shepherd and like a not quite as good, pretty good shepherd. No, it's the good shepherd and the wolf. And the wolf needs to be beaten and killed. The wolf does not need to be coddled. The wolf does not need to be understood. Isn't that the cycle of life? Isn't that nature? No. Satan has no claim on the flock of Christ. None of us are his. And all of us must stand in resistance we must run away from him, and we must run toward Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is part of the grave. It's a lie that Satan gives us. I mean, look, you know, Sunday, you should probably, you should probably follow Jesus on that day, for sure. I mean, Sunday, after all, it's kind of what it's for. But like Friday, that's my day. Saturday, come on, that's me. That's not how it works. It's not how it works. Jesus wants us to have abundant life. His plan is best. The water he brings you to drink is the richest. The grass that he brings you to eat is the best. The protection he offers is needed. His care, his love, his concern, being under that is where we flourish. It's where we grow. It's where we... Thrive, one of my favorite words. Okay, thrive. Still a great word. I use it a lot. See it a lot. Chick fil A coffee copied us. Okay. But that's where we want to be. We want to be under the Good Shepherd. There is no gray here. Satan, the father of lies, is a thief coming to steal and kill and destroy. Make a lot of noise for yourself. I think everyone here is clear on the difference between gossip and rebuke or gossip and care. Make a lot of noise if you see the wolf eating another sheep. Oh, I, don't know. I mean, that's not me. My life feels cool. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know. He's, he's getting bloodied, but I mean, whatever. No. On behalf of those who you love as well, have fierce care that they not be destroyed. Again, the stakes are not low, they're high. Abundant life, destruction. It is completely black and white. But the good shepherd goes before us. We hear his voice. We know him, and he knows us. He knows every one of us. If one of us is missing, if one of us is astray, he will go and seek and save that which was lost. He cares for us so well. Can we learn to protect ourselves? No. We have to rely upon Him. But make a lot of noise when you're hurting. Don't silo yourself off. Don't run away in shame. And don't ever think that there's no big difference between the thief and the shepherd. There's all the difference in the world. Let's pray.
God, you speak so clearly through these metaphors that Jesus came and laid down his life and took it up again. That because of him we might have life, we might have it abundantly. But it comes through a process of taking up our cross. It doesn't make sense to people who aren't in your flock. God, may we ignore them when they try to draw us toward the thief. May we be seeking their rescue and their redemption so that they can meet the good shepherd, the one who goes before, the one who provides us with care and protection. When we stray and we know that we all have gone astray and that we all do go astray, help us to cry out for help and rescue and help us to run to you. To run to the one who loved us so much he sacrificed his very life. Thank you so much that we don't have a shepherd who has off days or down days or bad days, days where he ignores us, days where he's just fed up with us. We desire to love each other that well, that when we fall we won't run out of patience for those around us, that we will love well with a knowledge that you love us well that your forgiveness extends again and again and again. Help us to extend that grace and forgiveness, that love and mercy to everyone around us. Lord, thank you for providing, not just the example of Jesus, but providing shepherds. Help all who are called in that way, and Lord, in some ways through the Great Commission, that's all of us. Help us to have care and love and concern. When someone's hurt, to be willing to help carry them. When we're feasting upon your word, when we found a good patch of grass, for us not to keep it to ourselves, but to let everyone know, to point over and over again to you, the one who rescued us, the one who redeemed us, and the one who gave us new life. And we'll be careful to give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. So we...